What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Unconventional Education Show, where we talk entrepreneurship, we talk mindset, and we talk life experiences to help you level up and become the best version of yourself. Awesome, guys. I'm fired up today for today's guest who's joining me from Toronto, Canada. And the reason we're making this happen is because through my network marketing career, I've been able to connect to a lot of extraordinary network marketers in my business and in other people's businesses. And from one particular business I linked up with, I saw this guy popping up left and right on trainings. I loved his energy. He knows what he's doing with sales. And then if you go on his Instagram, you can see his videos. He's dropping gold all the time. But this dude is the founder of the WC Sales Agency. He's the world's number one sales trainer of 2020. And he spoke on 130 stages in over 60 cities. He is the absolute truth. So I'm with Daniel G today. What is good, Daniel? Thank you, brother. I appreciate you having me on here. I'm excited for this. Thank you. Me too, man. So let's start off here. Um, You're a young guy. You're crushing it. You know your stuff in sales. Where did this all begin, bro? Oh, man. I mean, I was always just the hustler. Like I was the kid that was selling everything I could get my hands on. I I, I sold candy when I was young and then that that went into door-to-door sales when I was 13, 14 years old. Um, I didn't know I was a salesperson. Like I always, I was just a hard worker. Cause I seen like when you have something called work ethic, like work ethic. And I think the ethics is built from what you see when you're young. Cause like work is physical and mental output towards something. And then ethics is like the, how I see my grandparents work and my father works, right? Italian family, the hard workers, uh, grandfather came to the country with $5 in his pocket from Italy. And when I seen their work ethic, anything shy of 60, 70 hour work weeks, right? That was like a low work week for them. So to me, I grew up under a family that just worked hard, middle-class family. And I didn't know I was in sales. I I just knew the easiest way for me to make money was go door to door and do services for people. So I started off in door to door sales, like 13, 14, 15. I worked for a company illegally. I was selling uh, aeration services. And then I made my own company at 16, hired my first employee was my brother. Um, And then by the age of, like, I was making a lot of money when I was young. I wasn't too focused in school. By the age of 19, 20, I got involved into university for about a year. College, you guys call it, right? I got into college for about a year, maybe three semesters. Uh, I had a prof tell me, hey, listen, if you want to make six figures coming out of this program, you're in the wrong place or in the wrong program. It was a business international economics program. And I'm like, well, this doesn't fucking make sense. I'm in business school to come out of here and make six figures. I was well on the way when I was young to already produce six figures when I was young. By the age of 20, 21, I was, I was gonna make six figures. I was already uh, like projected to do that by the age of 20. So I'm like, I've been working my business for five years. The only reason why I'm in school is not for what we're doing now, it's like fulfillment or passion. I'm in here to make money. So I quickly dropped out of university and I went back and I always say this, I'm like, I went back into the shit that I was good at and what I was curious about. I didn't know I was like in sales. So I'm always like, follow the curiosity. Don't follow something like you're passionate about. Cause that's kind of hard to find when you're young. Cause if I followed my passions, it would have been fucking like soccer, playing squash or becoming a DJ. Like it, it, it was like, so I'm like, okay, well those things, I got to get a bit realistic now. What was I good at? Or what was I curious about? Cause it starts making you hunt for the answers. So I started just applying to sales jobs. I got into an inside sales job. Uh, at a young age, like 20, 21. And then I got into a medical 
sales job. I was selling B2B medical equipment uh, to hospitals while my friends were still in high school. And, you know, I talked about this today on my post. I think when you start making money, probably like yourself, when you're young, like I was the lone wolf in sales. I was making a lot of money, but I was an account manager working at territory in butt fuck nowhere. And I didn't have friends. My friends were at different colleges and different universities. So I was making a lot of money, got the, my BMW at the time, got a company car, had a company credit card, was pulling in six figures in commissions. And I said this to my sales team today and I said it on a live stream today, I'm like, you know why people make jumps in life is because everybody wants to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And I, I realized that money wasn't going to make me fulfilled in life anymore. I'm like, I want to be a part of something. Like I want to grow with people. And like the only thing I was growing with in that company was like a one trip a year vacation to Dallas or San Diego to pick up your company awards. I'm like, this is not what I want. Like I want an entourage. I want family beside me. I want to grow a company. So I realized that at a young age, 23, 24, um, I made the jump into training sales. So I started training sales inside of colleges, universities, and high schools. Cause I'm like, Yo, if I got a sales job when I was young and I was a class clown in some way, I, I went on to make six figures. I'm going to reverse engineer all my steps, put it into a curriculum and start training it to high schools, colleges and universities. So I toured Canada for the first year of my business. I then put that onto a course platform, monetize that into a sales university. Um, and then just kept running and gunning from there. I have a sales agency uh, where I train and outsource sales executives, courses, speaking on stages, et cetera. That's incredible, dude. And first, I want to back up to when you said you got your start really in door to door sales. Because for me, and I want to hear what your take is on this, I've had positions when I was in university, I was the same way as you, except I ended up finishing it off. But I yeah. utilized the college environment to build businesses. So I had one where we were flipping textbooks during finals week, and I'd be during finals exams, standing outside lecture halls, offering people cash for their books and flipping them. I had another position where I was living in Florence, Italy, and we were selling day and weekend trips all over Italy and Europe to study abroad students. So to be on the street going up to people cold, like trying to get them to buy our trips with our pamphlets. So I know for me, from those cold, like door to door esque experiences, that's where some of the best lessons I've built for my foundation and sales have come from. What would you say? Like how, how did that door to door sales serve you? I think the best way to put it is that I got very, very comfortable with people telling me no, because it's a high volume environment. And I realize that the moment I be comfortable, become comfortable with a lot of no's, a lot more yeses come about. Um, so to me, one, I mean, listen, I think door to door sales is probably one of the hardest sales gigs because you're facing people literally face to face. And they could slam a door in your face. And it's very, 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 very easy to get discouraged. I quickly realized that the no had, and I realized this at a young age, and that's why it served me and propelled me towards the future where I'm at now. I realized that the no that I was getting, one, it was worth a dollar amount. Meaning like if I knock on 10 doors and 10 doors say no, and the 11th door says yes, and the 11th door is a hundred bucks, every single no equaled up to 10 bucks. So I was collecting my $10. So one, I knew there was a dollar amount to no's. Two, I realized that a no had nothing to do because some people take it personally. And I said, dude, it has nothing to do with you. It's an all internal reflection of what it has to do with them. It's beliefs about what they have to do with them, or it's an internal reflection of what they've been going through throughout the whole day or the whole month or the whole week. Cause I'm like, if, if somebody like cuts you off in the middle of the road, or if you cut somebody off by accident in the middle of the road and they flick you a middle finger, listen, you did not do anything bad to like kill this person or like, take their wife or anything like this, do anything. 
but their middle finger was a reflection of the anger and hate that was going through them and you were the first person that they can lash out on. So I say typically as salespeople, if you can get over this hump realizing that since you're in a high volume environment and you're always constantly connecting and prospecting with human beings, when you can realize that you're that person's first point of contact throughout the day because you're going wide and they might lash out their anger on you and I say it's like that, like you make it fun and realize that's an internal reflection on them and it doesn't have anything to do with you because you're just doing your job and you're trying to give them a gift. It's like, yo, you could just move on. So I realize I'm like, man, there's a lot of people that need a lot more help. I realized this at a young age. I'm like, man, a lot of people, aside from the sales thing, need a lot more help. It has nothing to do with me. I'm just saying, hey, do you want your gas cut? No, yes, move on. Um, so I think just really understanding human beings when I was young, like, served me well for my business understanding that you know you're just offering somebody a product an opportunity a business a service um how mad can somebody truly be when you just give somebody something right i i completely agree with everything you just said and that's a lot of the stuff i teach as well and i love how you talk about how it's a reflection of internal beliefs do you find that those people that kind of have the biggest brick walls to start are sometimes the easier people to end up closing a sale with the, the highest brick walls to start? Like the biggest brick walls, like the people that are like, you're not selling me anything, man. Like, come on, who do you think you are? Like, do you find that those people sometimes are the easier ones to close? Well, I like that you brought that up because to me, honestly, I think of two things. I don't, I don't ever sell on autopilot and I train my, my salespeople never to sell on autopilot. So it doesn't matter if they're a very difficult buyer to me or they're a very loose buyer. I always get to their frequency. So if they're hard, I'm going to make sure I meet them where they're at and then break them down. So like to me, if somebody, if somebody is hard to buy, I'm like, okay, I got to ask a lot more questions rather than pressuring this person to buy because there's a difference between pressure and urgency in a sale. And most people don't want to be sold anything. Obviously they want to buy stuff, but most people don't want to be pressured. So the harder buyers, they don't want to be pressured. They want to have urgency and urgency comes from asking the right questions because then you generate, like when you ask the right questions, you generate a self, self, uh, a sense of self urgency. When you pressure somebody to buy, that's when they're going to be locked up and it's like, hey, I need to sell you something. So when I'm in front of a difficult buyer, I'm like, I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to ask this guy a lot more questions to, or ask this girl a lot more questions to break it down. When you ask questions, there's a big difference. Rather than saying, well, hey, you should buy my product because X, Y, Z, the price and the quality, that's more of a pressure. And then, you know, there's the, the sale ends out on Friday, Black Friday. That's a pressure. When you say, hey, by the way, what will you do if you don't buy the product and your, 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 your life stays the same in the next six months? What's plan B? What's plan C? That's an urgency question. That's like asking a question for let them generate the, 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 the answer themselves. I say this, I'm like, you don't have to sell the hard buyers on the first sit, ask them a question, plant the seed, let them go to bed at nighttime and let them think about it. Like, like to me, urgency is, is a lot like pressure is a conflict of internal values. I always say it. I'm like, the hard people, you just need to ask them more questions, break them down and see how you can serve them. If not, educate them, move on, plant the seed, move on, right? Right. So we definitely have a lot of artificial urgency, right? Like Black Friday or like the sale ends on Friday or this deal is you have seven days, whatever. Um, what is your advice for creating that urgency like you were just talking about? Which, through asking questions. Way, which by the way, I just put a post on this on my Instagram. I'm like, the two reasons why people don't buy, and I, and I said, I'm like, leaders, entrepreneurs, business owners, this is going to be a hard pill for you guys to swallow is price and quality. And I paused and I said, people always think it's about price and quality. I'm like, 
Somebody may buy because your price is a bit lower, but will they stay? Do you want a one-time customer? And that's not the true psychological need of why somebody purchases a product, offer, service, or opportunity. I'm like, people don't pry off price and, op uh, and quality. I'm like, there's higher needs psychologically as to why people buy a program, a product, an offer, a service. And typically, it comes from either connection. They want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Uh, love, companionship, power, influence, um, um, status. People, people, these are needs as to why people buy keeping up with the Jones. If, if like a lot of people are, are doing things on Instagram, buying followers, doing this, doing that because they want to just keep up with other people and have that certain status. People buy because of family and connection. I'm like, by you dropping your price, 10 bucks is not the creative way of how you should be marketing your message. I'm like the creative way of you should be more. And by the way, if you start selling based on price 24 seven, you now attract the people that just want to buy off a of price and, and are going to be the people that ask you for discounts and are going to be the hard shoppers and stuff like that. If you could sell based on how amazing your community is, how it serves more than something just than a program, how we have amazing students, amazing and everybody's together. And this is like, everybody helps everybody. I personally think how I was sold. I bought the ticket to entrepreneurship and left my corporate job because I wanted to be a part of something which was nothing. Cause I had to build it all up more than myself. And I was already making six figures. So in order for somebody to leave, you must be crazy. In order for somebody to leave something that was paying them six figures and I was a class clown, dropout university, nobody thought I was going to amount to something. And I leave that job for obscurity, the state of like not knowing anything in the future, just because I wanted to be part of something larger than myself and build something larger than myself. I'm like, when you could tap into the true desires of, because you asked about like, what do you think about price? I'm like, people don't buy off of price and quality. That just breaks the mold, but people buy off of those higher needs, which is status, companionship, leadership, influence, um, connection, community, community, right? I think people have to learn how to safety, security. People have to learn how to incorporate, and you could just go Google like higher needs of a human being that drives them to, to take action or what human beings want. Learn how to incorporate that into your marketing and sales message. Yeah, I, I totally agree with everything you just said. And I think it's so important to figure out like, it's not about price. It's not about any of that. And when you're doing that, you're just devaluing your brand and your mm. opportunity and your business. And it's because it's like, you look at the top brands, like people are asking for discounts on a Bentley or a Rolex or yeah. a Lambo. Like we don't go into Gucci, bro. We don't even open our mouth going into Louis Vuitton and being like, uh, so you think you could like knock it? No, they don't discount them. Greatness, yeah. great products don't discount themselves. Yeah, to totally aligned with that. So Let's backtrack a little bit to you're in the corporate world, right? And you're in there much younger than the average individual, of course, mm. right? So what, what was like, I know you said you, you desired more, you wanted community, but like, what was the mentality like when you're in the corporate world crushing it and you're just like, this shit is not for me? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I came in just like competitive mindset, young, hungry sponge. I, I lied to get myself in. I... I, I, I lied on my resume. I think I said uh, university, but I never think I, like I had to break the mold somehow because my brother's like, well, you're never going to get a corporate sales job because it requires 10 years of experience and five years within the field. And I needed like a biology degree to get a medical device sales job, right? So they wanted a seasoned rep, definitely over the age of 30, 35 years old. I snuck in from it from inside sales. Somebody uh, left their territory and I was a backup and a filler for a couple weeks. That couple weeks turned into a couple years. Um, but uh, my mentality was this. I first quickly realized that 
um, there was a need for me to train people the right way. Cause if I was young sales rep, I could have made so much more if I was under leadership and not under management. And, um, I just realized I'm like, man, under like, there's a, there's a fine difference between management and, and leadership. And I think in the, in the corporate world, you see a lot of management. You don't see a lot of leadership. You don't see a lot of servant based leadership. You see none of that. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, imagine all the reps that are going to be in my position that, that don't, cause I was a, man, I was a self learner. I was a self starter. And I was also not one of the guys to go buy 400 books, which I, I did, but they were I was a guy to every single sales situation. I didn't even listen to my sales manager. I got out of every single sales situation and I reverse engineer as to why somebody bought and what's why somebody didn't buy. And I think that's the hardest thing as a business owner and a salesperson to do because they want the quick fix. Daniel, what's your favorite book? And I'm like, it's not the book. You go through your whole day with a bunch of small wins, reverse engineer the wins. And nobody does that. Nobody writes down in their notebook as to the reason, because you're you and the other sales guys, him, I'm like, you sell totally different. Don't try to be me. Reverse engineer your wins and your losses. That's Meek Mill's album, your wins and your losses and see what works for you and go heavier on that. And don't say the shit that you said on the last deal that didn't get it done. And I was constantly a reverse engineer sales rep since I was young. So I, I just think what, what made me want, like what fired me up even more is the, the style of management that you're in in corporate sales. And I'm like, no, no, no. I got to teach this the right way to the young people that are going to come into the game. And I want to give people or show people an opportunity. Cause when you're young, you're not taught sit when you're young, it's crazy. 50% of people have a sales job. 25% of those people after high school that get a sales job end up in sales in a career. Yet we don't even have a sales course in school. We don't even have a communication influence course in high school. There's not one but yo, everybody after high school gets a retail sales job, gets a sales job where they have to do something. And, so, and then 25 out of those 50% ended up as sales a career, real estate, network marketing, direct sales, door-to-door -door account management, account management, huge billion dollar corporations, Microsoft, Apple, whatever you want, Bentley, every single corporation has an account manager for their territory. Yet I've never knew about that in high school. So when I thought about this, when I was selling, I'm like, wow. What an opportunity to educate individuals that sales is an actual job that you'll probably get into, but the school system doesn't push it. Totally right. And you align with all of my messages. I remember graduating college with this degree in applied mathematics. At that point, I was so deep into my network marketing career that I knew I was never going to use it. But I was looking at my cap and gown. I'm like, bro, I am never going to do anything with this six figure piece of paper. Like everything that I learned that was important during school came from like the businesses we ran outside of the classroom and all of that. Like it never came from in, in the classroom. So also, bro, I love your reverse engineering um, mindset on like each individual win or loss. And I feel like I was thinking about it as you, you were talking about it. Like I do that with everything. Even sometimes I get someone involved with my opportunity or sell something. I'll still pick it apart and think about what could I have done better to made the process smoother, made it more effective, et cetera. So I love that you said that because it's experience. That's the best teacher. Mm -hmm. And I think, and, and for the people that are listening or even for ourselves, like content creators, it doesn't just have to be sales. I don't think enough people just do this in their business in general. It's like, bro, if you're putting out 19 videos, one video did well and 18 didn't, well, go look at the one video that did well, see what you did in that one video. 
Like again, success and failure are both leave clues. We both know that. So it's like, why are you continuing doing it? Switch it up. Get a bit more bold in the message. Switch it up. You got an audience. They're dropping off. Well, maybe do something differently. Like the algorithm these days aren't going to play to you. You got to get a little bit more creative. See what worked. Exemplify what worked. But most people just don't do that. They just keep or they just created keep creating content, 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 content. And it's like, well, if you got an audience and nobody's resonating with you, maybe you got to switch up the message or the way you pitch it or the way it's marketed, whatever the case is, take a look at it. Don't just be the dummy. And I get it. Like consistency is key. Cause if one, if my audience is listening to this, like knows this, you'll never see me a day off unless I'm in the hospital. I've never been a day off in the last four years. You'll never not catch me running a live stream every day. You'll never not see me posting every single day. I run calls every single day for teams that are not mine. I I'm always consistent. But I think within the consistency, I think it's stupid to not switch it up and not seeing what's doing well and what's not doing well. Because, bro, every single night, and I'm sure you're like this as well, I go to bed and I'm like, hmm, why did that do well or why did that do well? Mm -hmm. And I don't just leave it up to chance, wishing, praying, and hoping. I really do. And I know some people don't like to look at the numbers, but numbers is an indicator in business. Like, fucking your grades are an indicator in school. I think numbers are super important to look at. And I don't get caught up completely in the fucking vanity metrics a hundred percent but there is if there's a big gap i am looking at those big gaps 150 percent yeah, totally i mean it's if you're getting more engagement on a certain post than another one you did something better with that post to make it work and yeah. another thing I, I love to hear your take on this and it can kind of transition to our next topic with social media but i feel like a big reason that people like you said are putting out so much content it's getting no traction i feel like oftentimes they might see what you're doing. They might be like, oh, Daniel G's killing it doing this. So I'm going to do the exact same thing and put it out there. But that's not their authentic voice. Mm -hmm. Do you yeah. notice a lot of that? A hundred. Yeah, man. Like, like I, I can't, it, 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 like from my audience 24 seven, I can literally see videos where it's like completely night and like they shadow me night and day. I think it's great. But um, I think if I try to mimic anybody else, my followers and the people that try to mimic me wouldn't like me. And I see salespeople that leave me and try to do the exact same thing. And I, I, like, I, I, I truly think this. I'm like, when you, you are your bold self, you're going to lose a lot of people because you're talking about true, authentic voice. You're going to lose a lot of people because nobody likes a, a super bold individual, but you're going to connect with the people that actually fucking like you. And those are the people that matter. But in the beginning, like nothing happens when you're not you. In the beginning stages of a date, let's just go into sales for a second. Imagine you're on a date and the first date you're really reserved. Like you're not completely you, like you're, you're, you're holding back. You're probably your, your real jokes. Like you're holding everything back. Like you're 50% of you. Maybe if you're a bit bold, you're 70, 80. I'm victim. To, everybody's victim to this, right? Nobody's a fully confident, completely confident individual. So you're a bit reserved. Next date, you'll loosen up a bit more. Three, four dates, blah, blah, blah. Make love. Then you're on the couch together four months down the road, the connection is stronger four months down the road, not because of the relationship that you built, because you're just you and she's her. You can pick her nose. You can fart on each other's laps. And it's funny. It's funny because you're, you're, you're you and she's her and the connection's stronger. So to me, I'm like every situation I go to, I'm like, how can I jump to make, I want the strong connections right away. How can I be me right away and get to that four month stage of relationship really quickly and see who's right and see who's not right. See who will, see who won't. Like really, really quickly. Because when you're bold, it's gonna pluck them out really quickly. And I think people have to realize that it's like it's not the it's not just the relationship. It's when you're just you, people connect with it, and you've allowed themselves. Like if I'm me fully, I've now allowed the girl on the date 
to be her fully. Mm. You know what I mean? Now she's like, I just felt like I knew you forever. It, no, it's not that. It's just because I was me. And now I'm allowing you to just be like, yo, be you. Make the dumb joke. Say what you got to say. Right. How long for you? Because I know for me, it's been uh, years of, of work to get my authentic voice to come out, show up like I actually am on social media, on my podcast. My book was a big element of that because I feel like I left it all on the table. As soon as I put it out, I was like, well, it's out in the fucking world now. Like, there's nothing, nothing to hide. How long of a process do you think it was for you to like express yourself truly authentic, Daniel, in, in all your work? Bro, believe it or not, it was, it was an overnight decision. And I can remember the fucking day. It was in 2017 because it's not, to me, it's not like how long does it take to lose weight? It's when do you make the decision to lose weight? It's not how long does it take for you to break up with a girl? It's how long does it take for you to make that decision to fucking break up? Because it's a decision. Mm. The decision. The process will come quick. It's just the decision. It takes people a while to be like, enough is enough. Today's a fucking day. It's over. I'm going to be me. And I had to identify the day. And I, I, I guess I identified the process of me holding back and, and the decision came quickly. So I want to talk about the decision. The decision was this. Being me, authentically me, is when I got over the opinions of the closest people around me. So the day, like, I wasn't being me because I gave a fuck about what my mother, father, aunts, uncles, and best friends would think about me online. And I'm like, I'm holding the fuck back. And if I could just get over, because that's what people, that's what cripples people in the beginning stages of their business, because they know the close people are watching them, believe it or not. And when I got over that hump, I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm done. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to yell online. I have so much shit to say. I'm going to get on my live streams. I'm going to talk the talk. I'm going to walk the walk. I'm going to do everything. That day was the decision. I'm like, if people could just get over that hump right there, then you don't care about strangers' decisions either because you care most about what the, like, about the people that care about you. So when you can disconnect from that, the strangers don't even matter anymore. So it was like a clear decision to say, you know what? In the last three years of me working a sales job, mother and father never wrote me a paycheck. I got to stop caring what they think right now. Like they never wrote me a paycheck. So why am I like, why am I caring what they think when no matter what I say, they're either going to be my supporters, they're going to be my cheerleaders, or they're going to be the naysayers. I just need to figure out which ones they don't need to understand. And I think this is the big thing of entrepreneurship. Most people try to force people to understand things when nobody's going to understand your vision. Like I'm not going to understand yours. You're not going to understand mine. And, and quite frankly, your family members shouldn't understand your vision. If it's that big, it should be a bit crazy. However, on the flip side, your family should be able to support you, not understand you, support you, a big fucking difference. But we think that everybody has to understand us, so we try to take time explaining. But all you gotta see is like, yo, whatever I do, are you gonna support me, yes or no? And I had the conversation with my family. I'm like, you're never gonna understand. My family still today, if you go ask my mother, she's gonna be like, well, my son teaches like business, like finance, accounting, I still don't know how to balance a spreadsheet. <laughs> My accountant handles it. So like, she'll tell her friends, yeah, I think he's in like a business teacher, like, but she supports me. And that's all I care about. And mm. I had to come to that conclusion. So it was a decision. It wasn't really, to me, it was like, how long did it take me to make that decision? I right. Get right. Right. Yeah. And you know, what's funny that you bring up, it normally is a handful or less of people that are holding us back from going mm. all in. Mm -hmm. It's like, it could be, a fa family, I think, is the most common that you see because that's who's that's who people care about their opinion the most. Like they care about their family members' opinions the most. But then there could be just like 
random people and I've had it like random people that are in your network. You're just gonna be like, you have that constant voice in your head. Like, what is this one person going to say? Yeah. Like, Who the fuck cares yeah. what that one person? Yeah, yeah. 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 Like you're scrolling through your stories. You're like, shit, he's looking, she's looking. Ugh, okay. Uh, let me make sure I don't say this one. Right. Yeah. So but it, it, are these people a ever going to buy from me? Right. B I guarantee you, they're probably thinking what I'm thinking about them. So when you think about that psychology in the world, nobody's like, everybody's too busy thinking about what people are thinking about them. Right. Totally. That's crazy. Totally. And it, it's, you, I think that a big moment for me is when I started traveling a lot, living in Italy, because I, I grew up in a small town in, in Connecticut. And once I got out of the country, you realize how small and insignificant you really are in the grand scheme of the world. And it just makes you give so much less weight to the opinions of other people. That It's just like, it just doesn't fucking matter. Just go do your thing, go all in. And like, as soon as you can get over that, I like how you said it was a decision um, because you make that decision. You're like, all right, fuck what these people's opinions are. I like the support. Like, obviously you want the support, but that's it. Mm -hmm. It's just making that decision. So I, I love that, bro. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about, and I think this year with Corona, I'm the type of person, I, I really thrive on networking in person, meeting people in person, that energy, that in-person connection, but everyone's been really forced to switch to online ways of networking, growing their network, growing their business. And I think a lot of people are really fucking up with it and doing a terrible job. There's a lot of people that have adapted extremely well, but I would say for me that this has been one of the best years of my networking, a lot and due to this podcast, because think about it, we probably wouldn't be talking right now if it wasn't for my podcast. Right. Yes. But and, and I've adapted and, and had these different channels, but like, what do you think people need to do to adapt to this? Cause I don't think this is a short-term thing. I think this is going to be a new way of business. Yeah, bro. Like fuck. And the reason why I know you're good at networking in person, because you don't abuse the laws of human interaction, communication on social media, because the way you reach out to me is exactly the same way. Cause you and I are the same. Like I love thriving off energies in person. Like I love seeing, meeting an individual, knowing about their stories, talking to them, striking up a conversation, becoming relatable with them, creating a connection with them very quickly, figuring out who they are. Can we do business together? I'm all about that. So I, and personally, bro, in my DMs, I don't answer 99% of them. Sometimes I see them. I'm like, nah, sticky, icky. You're probably the same way. It's like, no, next, no, next, no, next, no, next. And I know like, like you practice what you just preached and what you just said on the podcast. Cause when you reached out to me, it was just such a natural, authentic, conversational way that we had back and forth. And you made a good, relatable connection. I won't go into the podcast, but you made a connection with a couple stories in between, which like kind of like forced me to reply, right? And to have a conversation. Like, it, 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 like to me, people abuse the laws of social media because they wouldn't do that in person. If you went up to somebody in Starbucks and say, hey, my name is da 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 and I got da 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 somebody would say, like, holy hell, like, get the hell away from me. But that's what people do on social media. Like, they reach out to them like a picture, send a copy and paste message, spam it. And then they reason, they wonder what, because you abuse the laws of human interaction. Now, because it's easy, it doesn't mean that you abuse it. You use it. Don't abuse it. Cause it's easy. Cause it is easier. It is easy to sit on the toilet and send out 13 messages and you don't have to go to Starbucks or Whole Foods to connect with somebody or at a club or a lounge. It is easier, but you got to mix in the easy with the actual, like the, the laws and the communication laws. Like you get in, you scan somebody head to toe, you drop a compliment, you make a connection piece, right? Connect with them, relate with them, see how long you can go to strike up a conversation prior to your product getting involved. Because to me, the, the, the ultimate best way of getting somebody involved into what you have to do is how long can I go 
without forcing my product or talking about my product. Five minutes, 10 minutes, three minutes, two minutes. And, and, and maybe as you get better, you could strike it up in about a minute because you have that confident approach. But in the beginning stages, I would say the ultimate test is how long can I meet an individual, get them to talk about themselves until they ask me what it is it that you do? And I won right there. The moment an individual, like, and I say don't practice just in business because business is just about collecting friends. So you should be outside practicing, not thinking about your business. How long can I talk to an individual that I've never met before, before it comes time to them to ask me, what is it that you do? I've been talking about myself so much. You won in that conversation. That's like a check mark. Like if you go out with somebody, girl or guy and the girl or guy across tables, like, Oh my God, I've been talking about myself for so long. What is it that you do? You had effective communication, mm. effective communication. And I think the same way you got to think of that, take that into social media and be like, okay, health, fitness, da, 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 da. how do I strike up a conversation with them for the first two to three minutes where they're talking about themselves, their goals, their targets, their dreams on their social media, what do they want to go with their social media and see if I, and how I can help them and then bring that up and share with them something more of like an idea with them rather than a business. And I always say this, an idea is so beautiful. Be like, hey, listen, based on what you just told me, I have a few couple quick ideas that I want to run by you when you have time. And not drop a link to your fucking product or drop a link to a document or your brochure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I a couple quick ideas. After you just told me you're in health and fitness, da, 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 I have a few ideas I want to run by you. I work with a lot of people like yourself, but blah, blah, I have somebody like an individual, like. And another thing that you did, now I'm just thinking about it as I'm talking, it's like human connection, bro. You did not write me a paragraph. It was voice notes. Mm. It's like me and you and voice notes back together. And I, and I like that because now you're human, mm -hmm. right? So voice notes or a video, super important. Because like what you're trying to do is to implement that human interaction now on social media and not be the robot, right? So. 100%. And I, I, dude, I look at my DMs right now every day. It's so many people like, hey, John, that's like the only thing they make custom in it. And then it's yeah. just. <laughs> Come on, player. We know it's hey, John with a comma and then copy paste. But yeah, dude. And it's just, it, it is all about that connection and being real and being human. And I think that, like you were saying, getting the other person to speak more, like I try to get the other person to speak when I'm in a conversation at least 90% of the time. And I think a lot of people, they'll start by asking the questions, but then the other person starts talking and then they want to hop back in with their opportunity or like get back into the conversation, even though that they just opened that person up a little bit instead right. of letting it happen a little more naturally. So yeah, man, it's, uh, it, it is all about building that relationship totally. And I know you work with a lot of network marketers, obviously a lot of people in sales in general, and I'm curious to hear your answer to this. What do you think the difference is between the people who are the top earners who are crushing it with their business, the people who are getting all the awards, winning all the trips, and then the people who've been in it for a year, two years, and can't get anyone to enroll in their business, can't get any traction? Yeah, I think one, first, it's the decision. I don't think enough people make the decision. I think some people make the decision and then they dabble in things and they give it a try. And the moment you go in with that mentality, you're never going to win because it's always like you go into a business or in sales, there's always two beliefs you're going to have the empowering and the disempowering belief. I talked about this on my social media again this week. I said, who's going to win? The person that goes into a business and says, like, oh my God, nobody's heard about this and I can't wait to bring it to marketplace. and I can't wait to tell everybody about it and everybody's going to want to buy it from me. That's an empowering belief. Or the person that comes into business says, you know what, man, everybody's heard about this company. I don't know if my friends, like the belief prior to anything is what sets people up for success. Who's going to win? The person that says, man, everybody heard about this. Or the person that says, man, nobody's heard about this. I'm going to be the person to bring them that part that I'm, I'm saying the, I'm betting on the person 
with the odds higher towards a person that has the empowering belief in the beginning mindset. The person that says, ah, I'll give it a try, drop me off in the neighborhood, drop Sally off in the neighborhood. The person that says, man, everybody here needs a grass cut or the person that says, well, man, some people could just probably cut the grass themselves, but I'll knock on a few doors, see if I'll get a try. I guarantee you, even if the other person's better than me, I'm going to beat them because I have an empowering belief other than the other person, Sally, that's like, yeah, but I'll give it a try. So one, I think the people that come in with, because here's the, here's the problem, especially in network marketing, most people come in with the part-time mentality. Mm -hmm. So you're never going to get a full-time income with the part-time mentality ever in life. It's just not going to happen. So I think the people that win quickly inside of any corporate sales company, any direct sales company are the people that clearly make a decision where they're like, this is going to be my do all end all. This is going to be it. And this is not going to be my end all of my life. But right now it's going to fund just like yourself. It's going to fund other passion projects that I have. And I'm going to go all in with this. I think it's merely first the decision. Number one. Two, I think it's becoming a capable individual. I think too many people lean on other people for support. And I think the, like, I think it is the lone wolf in the beginning for the first 90 days to six months. It's like, you're going to have to branch off from everybody and do you. That means less of, and, and it's, and I know every leader's done this. Like, I think it's less of information obesity of joining 18 calls a day and getting a personal mentorship for 18 calls a day. Cause I didn't have that. I studied and I went to go apply the next day. And whenever I learned, I went to go teach to my team the next day. So I, I even engrave it more into myself. So it's like, you know, you learn something, you apply it quickly and then you go teach it. You don't learn, 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 learn. You're going to get full fat of information. And I think that's where people screw up and they're like, well, where's my business? So typically I'm like, there has to be an, this is how you get to the top. There has to be a 90 day to six month period, nothing less than 90 days where it's complete 90% production. 10% of all the other bullshit, backend work, uh, Zoom calls, production, prospecting, inviting people if it's network marketing, presenting, 90 to six, you gotta get in rhythm and inflow and it has to be all in. It has to be rhythm and inflow. If you're not like, like I say in sales, I'm like, listen, and I think people listening to this can understand, I really don't, I have a sales agency. So there's sales guys right now on the phone, working the phones right now. And I don't hire people that want to come in for a part-time job. Cause I said, it's too much of a stressful job to do if you want to go in part-time cause you're never going to get into flow and it's never going to make sense. And a couple guys are like, well, what do you mean? I'll work it when I can. I said, yeah, but this is an industry where I'm not going to lie to you. It does get stressful. You will get a couple gray hairs because you're dealing with human beings. And you know, we, 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 weren't born to learn how to deal with different human beings and different personality types. So it's going to get stressful and it's only going to be rewarding. And the stress is only going to be worth it when you're in it full time and you're making a full time income. Cause it's going to be like a couple days in a couple days out. You're not going to make money for three days and you're out of flow. So to me, I think, let me backtrack for a second. You have to get in flow and frequency for at least, you know, a three to six months of complete production, 90% uh, of talking to people educating people, exposing people, presenting people, 10% of all the back and work. The action, man. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, so I want to be respectful of your time here. It's almost two, dude. Yeah. I, time's yeah, flying yeah, yeah. here. But uh, one last question that I ask all the guests who come on my show, because a lot of my message is about how the most important lessons we learn in life to become successful come from outside of traditional school. So for you, if you had to pick one thing, what do you think is the most important thing you learned outside from 
the, the conventional school environment that's helped you become successful? One thing I learned outside of conventional school environment, um, man, that uh, I always... I always thought that to me growing up, I, I had this belief when I was young that when you follow the system, everything was going to make money. And then I realized I'm like, wait, there's so much money and so much wealth to be shared. And I think my, my learning curve outside of school was the moment I made money off one person that was a stranger that I didn't know, like the moment I got paid and this was young, this was like 14, 15 off of somebody I didn't know, I realized that everything I learned was a flaw because everything I learned in school was go to school, get good grades, get blah, 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 your, your job, you know, work the 40, 40, 40, 40. Like, and then when I heard that when I was young, when somebody's like, yeah, here's 40 bucks, I'm like, wait, this doesn't make sense. A human being that's a stranger gave me 40 bucks and somebody said I had to go to apply to McDonald's, but somebody gave me 40 bucks. My whole, like John, bro, my whole mind shift, I'm like, everything I heard was a lie. That day, I remember, I, I was actually shoveling driveways. I got $40 for a driveway off a person I didn't know. I said, wait, everything's a lie. When I was walking my next driveway, I'm like, okay, let me test this. Let me see if somebody else can give me another 40 bucks off of somebody I don't know. Got it again, 20 bucks. And then everything I understood, I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, something's wrong here. I'm like, there was a flaw in the messaging when I grew up. And then I realized everybody I don't know has everything that I want. I love that answer. It's like the first time you get a profit versus a paycheck. Like yes. The profit, yes. You, when you profit from something, you're just like, holy fuck. Like, why yeah. have I not yeah. been taught this yet? Yeah. yeah I, I, I love so, that. Yo, bro, like, John, it's so easy. I'm like, okay, you, you come from the East Coast too. Like, you're in New York. It snows. We had a snowstorm here in Toronto uh, <clears throat> last week. There was a snowstorm. And all you hear for the last six months, everybody complaining about work and money. I live in a high-rise condo. The apartment, so, so the houses that I grew up in are literally like, I could see my dad's house like five minutes away from me. I see the neighborhood, bro, filling up with snow. Like I see a foot of snow and I'm looking at my high rise condo. This is at nighttime at, at, at nine, 10 o'clock at night and it's coming down crazy. And I'm looking at this neighborhood. Meanwhile, everybody's complaining about money at this time. No, I can't get a job. No, I can't get money. There's still money to be made. I'm looking at that neighborhood it's empty. And, and I, I'm telling my Instagram, I'm like, why is it that that name, everybody's complaining about money, but there's nobody shoveling other people's driveways right now when you can make 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks a boat. So, so to me, I'm like, this is crazy. If somebody were to just pop step in that neighborhood, have a snowblower, actually not even do the work yourself, go sell the homes and then hire a person that has a snowblower, give them 50% commissions. All you have to do is sell people and let them do the work. The, let them do the work. There's money everywhere. Mm. It's just that people are too lazy to do it. So when people are like, well, it sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's the reason why, like, it's the reason, like, if you could do it, I like, Daniel, it's easy for you to say, or it sounds too good to be true. Or like, well, if, if you could do it, why not? Why isn't everybody else doing it? I'm sure everybody's heard about it. Like, if you could do it, why isn't everybody else doing it? Well, it's the same fucking reason why not everybody else has financial freedom because everybody else is too lazy to do the fucking work. Mm. That's it. And the proof was in the pudding that night. I'm like, no, no, no. See, that's the reason why I am where I am today because I was that kid with my best homie, Mike, on that neighborhood shoveling freaking fucking driveways. I'm just, I'm like, I'm like taking advantage off all the lazy kids in my high school. Mm. 
so powerful. That's it right there. It's looking for that opportunity and being willing to do the work. I love mm-hmm. it, man. Well, Daniel, this A was excellent. I appreciate you taking the time to get on. I know I'm going to listen back to this. And guys, if you're listening and you know someone who needs to hear Daniel's message, all we ask is to pay it forward, share it with a friend, post it on your Instagram story so we can get the message out there, help people live the best version of their life that they possibly can. And Daniel, where can people go to connect with you? Where's the best place? I mean, Instagram's cool. Just www.instagram.com or at Daniel G. Cool. That's it. Awesome. So guys, connect with Daniel on Instagram. He puts out awesome videos all the time. Like I feel like this podcast episode is like a bunch of those strung together. Like you just go on there, you snap, you give some great value. And uh, it's, it's awesome, man. I love what you're doing. I love your message. I love your energy. I'm excited to see everything that you build, man. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you, bro. Appreciate it. Really. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Absolutely. We'll catch you guys next time. Later, everybody.